ask yourself that question. It goes on. Let's read verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. It doesn't say that the Bible sets us free. It doesn't say the written Word of God sets us free. It says the living Word of God sets us free. That's, that's what it says. It says that's the kind of truth that God is saying to us, this is what will change your life. This is what will change your life. Are you all with me? Now, this in no way minimizes reading the Bible or studying the Bible. I mean, I'm not minimizing the Bible. In fact, here's a... Anybody want a word from the Lord this morning? Raise your hand. Okay? If I give you a word, will you do it? Raise your hand. Thus saith the Lord, read the Bible. It's God's will for us to read the Bible. He wants us to. He desires us to. I love reading the Bible. Okay? I'm not minimizing reading the Bible. I'm not minimizing studying the Bible. Those are real important things in my life, things that I really get a lot of joy out of. But I, I realize this, we as Christians, if we want to get free, we've got to go beyond Bible reading. We've got to go beyond Bible knowledge. There's something greater than that, although Bible reading, Bible knowledge is very important. I don't want to minimize and say don't, you know, don't receive that because we really need it. But this is um, something that Hosea said in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's what the Lord was saying through Hosea. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And this is what I really think. I think a lot of Christians are messed up simply because they don't read the Bible. They don't, have, they don't really know what's in here. They don't, you can tell them stories about the Bible, and they say, duh, I never heard that before. And you're thinking, you're a Christian, and you don't know about Jehoshaphat? You know? I mean, it may not change your life, but you know, those are the things that God uses to speak to us. And he gave them to us as an example. But I also think it's talking about revelation. My people are destroyed because we lack true revelation from God. Amen? We lack that thing. Therefore, our lives are not changed. We're staying in bondage. And what we hear on Sunday doesn't work on Monday. I want something that's going to work besides right now. I need something that's going to work besides right this moment. You do. Don't you? <laughs> All right, turn over to Romans. Let me give you some good old Roman stuff. Are y'all with me? Somebody told me last year, quit saying, do you understand me? Because you keep, you're trying to get people to hear something with their heart, and you keep putting them back in their mind. So I'm not saying that. I thought, that's right. I'm putting them back in their mind. I don't want you to be in your mind. I want you to be in your heart. All right, here's some things about Romans. First of all, every Christian should study Romans 5 through 8. Because to me, if you can understand Romans 5 through 8 on any level, any level, it's the basic principles of Christianity. It tells you what really is going on. That song we sang, you have taken my prodigal self and give me the signal. It's all about that. It's all about, you know, Christ, us dying in Christ, us being raised with Christ, and the real practical implications of that. But I don't want to get into all that. I want to, get into, I want to show you something in Romans that I believe is like a spiritual principle that works anywhere. And it's, it's about receiving revelation from God and about how it works in your life, okay? So don't get wound up in all the other stuff that Romans is trying to talk, Paul was trying to talk about in Romans. I just want to tell you about revelation, the revelation of truth. Um, Washman Nee's got this thing in one of his books called the, Pro, the Path of Progress. He's got these four things that he says. Number one's knowing. Number two's reckoning. Number three 
is presenting ourselves to God, and number four is walking in the Spirit. That's sort of his little thing about how God gets us where we want to go. Are y'all, y'all, y'all got that? Number one is knowing. Number two is reckoning. Number three is uh, presenting ourselves to God, and number four is walking in the Spirit. I don't want to talk about the last two. I just want to talk about the first two, knowing and reckoning. Okay? Look at Romans 6, 6. Okay? And this is a famous verse. And, and Paul's right in the middle talking about our old man being crucified with Christ, which is really important. But we're not talking about our old man being crucified with Christ. I'm talking to you about knowing on a spiritual, spiritual plane. He says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. All right? So that, that's the word knowing. Now look in verse 11. Uh, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, here's the key. Now this really is the key on this thing about revelation. Paul put knowing before reckoning. Okay, in other words, he put revelation before, before you could actually live out this thing Caught in Romans, this knowing thing. He said, before you can live this thing, before you can do this thing, you've got to know it. You can't just know information about it. That's, that's what he was saying. You've got to know it. So you can, you can reckon something. And I want to talk to you about reckon just a second. You can reckon something to your blue in the face, and it flat will not work. It will not work. If you don't know it in your heart, if, there's not, if not, God has not truly spoken it to you, and you've, the light's been turned on inside of you. Now, I personally have always struggled with that word reckoning. All righty? Reckoning, I thought, man, that is not a good word in the Bible. Okay? And this is why. Because he says reckon. Reckon. What does reckon mean to a American? I guess so. I suppose so. That's what it means when my mama, mama, you know, can I go to the movies? I reckon. <laughs> I reckon you can go to the movies. I, I guess you can go to the movies. I suppose you can go to the movies. Now, uh, so that was, that's one thing that threw me off for years about this word reckon. It's like, well, there's this doubt in it. There's this doubt built into this word. Not that there really is, but there's doubt built in it because of our language, because of English language. So your mind's playing off that English thing. All right, the new American Standard Bibles uses the word consider yourself. Consider. What does consider mean to you? Consider means options. Would you consider taking me to lunch? Well, no, I don't think I'm going to take you up on that deal. You have this option with consider. That's sort of what it speaks to me. You know, there's these options you got. All right, and then the NIV is actually the most accurate in this case. Occasionally it gets accurate. <laughs> it says count. That's the word it uses there, count. All right, now <clears throat> count it. But that still doesn't make a lot of sense. But in the Greek, this is what reckoning literally means. It means to count, number, or calculate something. Count, number, or calculate in other words, this is what all commentators say this about that word reckon. It's a bookkeeping term. All right, now this is what will help you. Bookkeeping is, and it truly is, the only thing that a human being can do 100% accurately. Right? Now, t- well, some of us, I don't want to talk about checkbooks, <laughs> certain people. But let me just give you a simple example. We're talking about these kinds of monitors. Okay, how many are there? There's one... Two, three, four. 
right? There's four. There ain't five. There's four. There's four floor monitors, Matthew. You better get yourself together here. You're not a school teacher, okay? So I can count these things accurately. Two plus two is what? It's four, period. No matter what you say or anything, two plus two is four, and it's always going to be four. So that's the point that the translators are trying to make in this bad word, uh, reckoning, is that it is, it is something that humans can do 100% accurate. We can count something. Most of us can add and subtract accurately, pretty accurately, most of the time. But I can count the four. I can tell you there's four of these monitors up here. That's 100% accurate. Now, listen to this. You can't do anything else that accurate. Here's something I want you to try sometimes. If you're in a group, say, in a room with your family, supper time, video it. Video, just set your video camera up if you got one and watch and video it for 30 minutes. Then go back later and watch the video, and this is what's going to happen. You will find things that happen at the supper table that you missed sitting right there. So if, before I watch the video, somebody come and say to me, what happened at the supper table? And I could tell them everything I believe happened at the supper table, but it won't be 100% accurate because I've proven this. I've watched videos of stuff that's gone on in my house. We used to video stuff a lot when my kids were little. We videoed everything. we just run it and, you know, have all these crazy videos. There'd be stuff, and I think, what? I don't remember that happening on that video. I don't remember we, us saying that or whoever said that or that person came in and, you know, I was sort of stuck on something else. So we, you know, we can't recount stuff 100% accurate. You know, events. But we can do bookkeeping. So if you're a trained bookkeeper, more than likely you can do it 100% accurate. Now, th- are y'all seeing what I'm saying here? That's why there was this word reckoning, you know, because you can, you can reckon something. But here's the way, here's the real definition. It's a metaphor rep, re, uh, Definition. Y'all know what metaphors are? Reckon means to acknowledge or count as true something that is already true. Two plus two equals four anywhere on the earth, right? We don't argue that two plus two equals four. Are y'all with me on this? So we count it as true, period. There's no argument in our heart. We know it's two plus two is four. We know it is. We are convinced deep down inside two plus two is four. If I go to Japan, two plus two is four in Japan. If I go to the South Pole, two plus two is four. And that's really what Paul was saying. But here's the thing. You cannot reckon something, know that you know that you know, until you have revelation on it. You can reckon something until you're blue in the face. I'm dead in Christ, I'm dead in Christ, I'm dead in Christ. The Bible says you're dead in Christ. But it won't work without revelation. It will not work if you just have doctrinal truth. It won't work. You can think about this. Kenneth Copeland. Everybody knows who Kenneth Copeland is. Kenneth Copeland has a revelation about faith, right? God has spoken to something to Kenneth Copeland about faith. And he, he's, his whole ministry, his whole life is around the issue of, of faith. Yet how many of Kenneth Copeland's followers can make his message work? Not a bunch of them. And you know why they can't? Because they, they have a faith, they're just copying a faith formula. They have, Kenneth Copeland, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I don't know how you feel about him, and I don't necessarily agree with everything he teaches, but as far as I'm concerned, Kenneth Copeland has touched the truth about faith. He may have not touched the whole, but he's got some revelation from God. 
And it's true to him. It's alive to him. It's real to him. So he's communicating, doing his teachings and stuff about faith, and you got all these people out there that walk out the door and try to make his faith thing work in their life. And it doesn't work. It really will not work because all they've got is that they've copied a faith formula. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? They've copied something. They didn't hear something from God themselves on it. The one who have, ones who've heard God speak to them about faith, they can make that faith thing work. But if you haven't heard God talk to you about faith, it is not going to work. I don't care how many times you repeat it. I don't care how many times you name it. I don't care how many times you claim it. It won't work. Because spiritual truths don't, that's not how they work. You see what I'm saying? That's why we desperately need revelation. We need to know Christ as the truth. We need to touch the person of Christ. And when we touch Him, we have truth. It's real to us. It's alive to us. It's something that burns in us. And we can live it out. We can walk out of here no matter what happens because God has spoken to me. Not just some preacher speaking to me. Not just my friend speaking to me. But God has shown it to me. That's why the apostles were willing to die. Because God talked to them. Paul said, flesh and blood didn't tell me this. But God revealed it to me, and God wants that for all of us. Now, it may not be every truth in the Bible He wants to do that with. I don't know. But I believe from the bottom of my heart, if we don't receive the truth, it does us no good. I'm convinced of it. As far as, i got a picture of my daddy sitting on my dresser, chest of drawers. That picture's a great picture because my daddy's gone. He's, he's with the Lord now. But that picture is just a copy of my daddy. It's not my daddy. I love to look at that picture because that was my daddy before he got sick and, you know, went downhill. I, I can look at it and see in his face. And there was the rebel without a cause there, you know. That was a picture of him looking, you know, back in his days when he was rambunctious and looking for something to be rebellious about. You know, the way my daddy was. But I can't touch that man. I can't feel that man. I can't hear his voice anymore. Because it's just a picture. It's as precious as a picture is. So a lot of what we hear are pictures. They're like that picture. Oh, yeah. That's the truth. I mean, but it doesn't help me. It doesn't affect my life. It doesn't do something for me. But when, if my, when my daddy was alive, I could touch him. And it, and it affected my life in a real practical way. Are y'all with me? One more. I hope this is making sense to you. Uh, you know, not, just not on an understanding level, though. Amen? <laughs> I'll receive that. Ephesians 1. This is powerful. Ephesians 1. So here's the truth. If all we got is information, we are just this, well-informed Christians. I think being a well-informed Christian is a great thing. We want to be well-informed Christians. We want to do Bible studies. We want to study the Bible. We want to read the Bible. We want to be informed of what the Bible says. What it says about this, what it says about that. But I will tell you this. I think we can be the most biblically knowledgeable people in the world and just nothing. We can't make it work in our life. And I want to say this one more time. I am not interested in that brand of Christianity. I want something that's going to work and I have discovered the truth of this, is it works when God makes the written Word become the living Word in your life. 
then it works. Then you can go through, you know, stuff, bad stuff. I wasn't going to say what I was thinking. Here's what I was going to say. I was going to say this is what we used to say back in the days. Well, we, that guy, he would take shorts and suck them in gasoline and walk through hell. That's how bad and mean he was. You know what I'm saying? So we could do that on a spiritual plane. One, Ephesians 1. You know, there's a prayer for spiritual wisdom in Ephesians. Okay? And the, and the prayer, Paul said this first. Let's read Ephesians 1, 3. Just, let me just give it to you in a better order. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has. Everybody say has. Has is past, right? Done deal, right? Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places is not really in there, but it's put in there to help us. In Christ. So Paul's saying, you're blessed in Christ right now. Right now. Everybody in this room, if you're a Christian, you have every spiritual blessing already imparted to you, already given to you. Everything that God has has been given to you. That's what he says right there. There's a problem, though. There's a big problem. You're saying, I, I have it, but I don't act like I have it. And I'm not seeing it work in my life. So here's what Paul does. He says, all right, you guys have got this. Now, this is what I'm going to do. Jumping down to verse 18, right in the middle of his prayer. He prayed a prayer for him. He was praying, you know, the Father, the Father glory may give to you, let's read verse 7, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. He prayed that prayer. He didn't pray, I pray you'll get your blessing. He didn't pray that. He was saying, basically, you already, I don't need to pray that you'll get it. What I'm praying for is that you would have revelation about your blessing. And when you have revelation, you have it. You see what I'm saying? When you get this revelation from God about faith or about forgiveness or about grace, about whatever it is, you've got it at that moment and nobody can take it away from you. Nobody. Nothing can take it away from you. That's why Paul said... When he was, they were saying, you're in trouble, Paul. They're going to kill you. They're going to do all this stuff. He said, I don't, them things don't move me. Why didn't they move him? If he just had doctrinal truth, they would have moved him. Moved him, you know, I'm quitting. I give up. I surrender. I'm not going there. No, he had, some, he, had, he had light in him. He had revelation in him. And he was able to march right into the face of his sure death because he had revelation from God. And so the church... Christians today, we walk out the door and it won't work. And I would say one of the big reasons is we don't have revelation. This light has not been turned on in us. It hasn't been turned on. Because he goes on and says this, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. And then he goes through those three watts that you know we really can't go, go through. So he just prayed that their eyes of their understanding may be open so that they would know. They would know. And then once you know, you can reckon. You can consider it so. You can count it so. You can say it so. Because it is so. Not that you're hoping it'll be so. It is so. It's so in my life, God. Because you've shown me it's so. Not because Byron said it's so. You know? Not because 
you know, your favorite teacher said it was so. Not because somebody prophesied over you said it so. It's because God said it was so. And God said, this is me talking to you. This is me. I'm telling you something. And um, this is the truth. I feel like God's given me a revelation of grace. I really believe that. And it's working for me. And I feel like some of, us who, some of you who talk to me about it, i got to get, you know, it's in my head, you know. And I understand what you're saying, but it's just not working in life. And the reason is, is you don't have a revelation on it. You have some doctrinal truth on it because you've heard what I've said about it. But if you just try to go out and based on what I said, it's not going to work in your life. And that's the truth. It is not going to work like that. It's just like Kenneth Copeland's message. The faith thing won't work in my life because I don't really have that revelation that he has on that level. So what you have to do is you have to ask God, God, I need you to do this. I need you to open the eyes of my understanding about this. I need revelation on this. You can go to God and say, Byron said, Lord, that this thing called grace is not going to work in my life because I lack revelation on it. That's what I'm lacking on it. I need the re- I've heard what he's got to say about it. I can read the Bible verses. It seems so, but daggone. It's not working. It's not working, God. But it will work if he gives you revelation. And then you may not be a Bible teacher or any of that stuff, but it'll work. It doesn't matter. You know, then you can sort of go, oh, yeah, yeah, now I know that's what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, when somebody said, yeah, they communicated exactly what I felt in my heart. They're saying what I feel. They're saying what I believe. You know, if your gift's not to talk about it necessarily. I've had a couple people say to me, you know what, Byron? I've, all, I've just lived my Christian life to what you're talking about, but I can never figure it out till now. You're telling me how I've been living my Christian life already. Is I've been letting God do it in me. I've been, you know, I've been allowing it, but I didn't know that was really what the Bible taught. I, was just, I just stumbled into it. But you've given me an understanding on it and given me a communication on it. Are, are, y'all see what I'm saying this morning? So what we need to do is really ask the Lord, give us revelation, Lord. Here's a good statement. It's not what we have... It's not what we have, because we already have all the blessings. But what we know by revelation, okay, and the conscious appropriation by faith, which determines our spiritual wealth and health. And that's the truth. Now, here's the bad news. Most people come by revelation the difficult way. You get desperate enough because you realize this thing's not working in my life. I can't make it work. And you get to a point where you surrender all your efforts, and you cry out to God, God, make this Christianity thing work for me. Because I'm tired of going to church and hearing about it, hearing these stories, and I walk out here and I'm a world-class failure. And God is saying, yes, you're a world-class failure. And that is all you're ever going to be. Good news. You're always going to be a world-class failure. But you have to come to realize, oh, I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a world-class failure. I had to come to the end of myself and let go and let God and let His grace go to work in my life. That's why I'm a world-class failure. And it sets you free. It sets you free. Because the pressure is off on you and it's on God. Your part is secondary. Believe it, appropriate it, and walk it out. And you know what the great thing about all of this is? This is really what the great thing is. It draws you really close to the Lord. It, it helps your relationship with Him. Because here's the thing. You're trusting Him now and depending on Him to get you through every day. You're waking up in the morning, Lord, if you don't help me, if you don't live your life through me, I'm going to really mess up here. 
So you start depending on Jesus in a more of a conscious level, really sort of moment by moment in your life. And all of a sudden you find you're developing this communion with God. And you're talking to God more than you ever have. And that, to me, is the greatest outcome of this message of grace, is it draws you close to God. And it makes your relationship with Him grow. Because you're talking to Him a lot more because suddenly you're not depending on your wisdom, your knowledge, your ability. You're depending on His. And you had to talk to Him about His. You know, i gotta, I got to go do this task. You know, Lord, how are we going to do this task? What am I supposed to do? I don't know how to do it. You know, if I do what I think, it's going to be messed up. And you start talking to Him like that, and He starts, yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, you're going to mess this thing up. You better straighten up and... You, know, you better get this thing right. No, he doesn't say any of that stuff. He says, that's right. If you just let get out of the way and let me do it through you, are you presenting yourself to me and allowing me to do it through you? You see what I'm saying? That's the truth. What I'm telling you is the truth this morning. And God wants to give you revelation. And I've realized I'm sort of pushy, but I want you to have revelation, you know. But I can't give you revelation. I, I really can't. I wish I could. I can't make this real to you. Because you can go out, I'm going to try to live it. Byron said, you know, you know, God would live his life through me. And I know, that's right. He read these verses, Galatians 2.20. We even sang the song this morning. That's in the Bible. I'm going to go try to make this work. And it won't work. You'll fail. Because you, don't, you just got information on it. You need to say, little Lord, if that's the truth, I need to know what's true for me. It's not good enough just to be true for, for everybody else. Amen? Now, I want to ask you something this morning. Who would like to have revelation? I'm, I'll be honest. On this, I would be willing to do this. I would be willing to get Becky <laughs> to pray for you. Because she seems to have a better anointing for impartation than I do, honestly. I just am not good at it. But, I was, I, but I, here's what I'm saying. If the worship team wants to come up, minus Becky, okay, and sing a song. And what we'll do is if you really want just us and Becky will just come by and lay our hands on you. I'll do it with her just to be a nice husband. You know, that God would open the eyes of your understanding and reveal to you, I don't care what it is. Whatever He wants to, it's between Him, you, and God. And it may, and let me just tell you this about Revelation. It ain't like some boom, all of a sudden, oh, you know, some bolt of lightning. I don't, it may be like that for you. That'd be wonderful. But for me, it's pretty minor. It's just, oh, that's God. I better grab hold of this. That's sort of how it works in my life. Oh, that's God. I'm going to grab hold of this because it's God. And once you grab hold of it, it's like grabbing a tiger by the tail. It's, it opens up. It grows. It gets bigger. And that's when you know you've got revelation, when the thing just keeps growing in you, growing in you, and growing in you, and expanding. Okay? You'll know it. I and mean, it may take months down the road to see that, but it really is a growing thing. So don't expect some big boof from heaven. You know, just say, I'm just, Lord, because this is how it started for me, is I prayed this prayer. Lord, open to my eyes and my understanding, because I can't understand why Paul did what he did. Because I can't do it. And I was frustrated about it. I was frustrated because I was sick of being what I was. And I said, this is, my life is not what's in here. Why? And I asked God, give me revelation. And he did. He did. And when he did, you know, it got better. You know? That's all I can say. So y'all want to just do a couple songs, and we'll just put, you can walk, just walk here, we'll walk by, and we'll lay hands on you, and just pray a real quick two-second prayer over you. The Lord, give them revelation.
Amen? So come on out here, honey. Put you on the spot. So anybody wants to, just come on up. Yeah, we, let's don't forget about praying for the pregnant moms. And while Becky's doing all the work praying, <laughs> we can, uh, if you want to go back there to the meet the pastors thing, please do. We'd love for you to. And, um, and make sure the mamas, pregnant mamas, we want to pray for you.